Hello and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Hody Nemus, a third-year rabbinical student at YCT Rabbinical School. And I'm Michelle Friedman, Chair of Pastoral Counseling at YCT. In each episode of this podcast, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah portion of the week. And we also share with our listeners concepts and techniques that are taught in the Pastoral Counseling Program at YCT, where we try to integrate Torah wisdom and contemporary understandings from modern psychology. So this week, we're talking about Parshat Vayera, and our theme is, how do you maintain values in a foreign place that does not share your values and may in fact completely contradict them? This Parsha, Vayera, is all about how to be a godly person both on an international geopolitical scale, but also on a fiercely personal scale. And we see that again and again, right? Avraham, the Parsha opens with Avraham sitting in his tent, and we see the first major instance of hospitality, the way that you treat a stranger, somebody who, for all he knows, are probably idol worshippers, and yet he welcomes them into his tent. And we see it in the way Avraham pleads for Sodom on the, on the national scale. He, he asks that God not destroy Sodom if there are righteous people there. Um, and, of course, culminates with the Akedah, which is a complicated uh, uh, example of how to be a godly person. But I think the most um, interesting episode of our Parsha, in terms of how to act with godliness, is the episode of Lot. Lot moves to Sodom in, uh, in chapter 13 of Breshit, and it says that he pitches his tent there. And in the story of the destruction of Sodom, we see angels coming to visit to warn Lot to get out. He welcomes them. He also uh, is confronted by a mob of Sodom and seemingly offers his daughters to the mob and ultimately is, uh, is rushed out of the city by those angels. So the question I have and that we're exploring is what was Lot thinking? Did Lot go to Sodom thinking that he could live a moral life or uh, was he hoping to convince the residents of Sodom to live in a more moral way? Did he, uh, was he simply there because of greed? What was going on with Lot? So most of the time in current day, we don't choose to live in a place that is so obviously foreign and decadent as Sodom was. But we do make choices to live in environments that might not be synchronous with the values that we hold dear. And certainly literature is full of all kinds of stories like this. How environment affects the person. One that came to mind for me in preparation for this was Joseph Conrad's book, Heart of Darkness, where the person who goes into the into Africa becomes very much taken over by the power and the culture of that place. But for our purposes today, we're gonna to use a more quotidian story and it's going to be the story of a family who we're going to call the Kleins. And the Klein parents are Janice and Max. And they're people of modest means. Uh, let's say Janice is a Hebrew school teacher, a director perhaps. And Max, the dad, is a research biologist who's in an academic setting. And due to a work opportunity, the Kleins and their two children, Ilana, who's 11, 
and Paul, her younger brother, is nine, move to a much wealthier neighborhood. They're able to move there. They do move there because it's near the research facility, which has housing for its fellows. Now, in their former community, Ilana went to a community day school, and there was different differential among, obviously, economic backgrounds, but not that great a range. And most birthday parties and b'nai mitzvah were relatively simple celebrations. And that's an important value to the Klein family. They want to celebrate smachot, happy occasions, in a joyous way, but not flashy. Now things are changed. Ilana, who, as I mentioned, is 11, has started talking about her own bat mitzvah. And she's starting to make all kinds of suggestions that are really surprising and actually shocking. And they're kind of stunned by some of the events that she's getting invited to. For example, she has gone to a, been invited to a bat mitzvah that is in Israel, and another one that is a destination bat mitzvah at a ski resort. Ooh. So Ilana talks to her parents, and she has what she considers to be a more manageable request for her own bat mitzvah, which is going to be in a little over a year. She wants to go with just a few friends to Disney World. And she is willing to do preparation and learning and some kind of chesed project, but it is obvious that most of her energy, the vast majority of it, is directed towards this Disney World idea. So Ilana is uh, facing an issue that many of us, in fact, I think all of us face, and common sense tells us that your environment affects your morals, your opinions, your values. I mean, it may not be Sodom, but where they're living now is really affecting how she's, how she's seeing her future, what should come her way, the clothes she wants to wear, the party she wants to have, the vacations, etc., etc. Peer pressure is real, and not even pressure, but uh, modeling That's is right. real. So I want to take you for a moment back to 1951. Okay. You're a young undergraduate at Swarthmore, and you're asked to participate in a small vision test experiment. Uh, and you enter the room, and you're shown two lines are drawn on a board. And one is quite short, the other long. And there's a few other undergraduates there are asked which is longer, which line is longer. And seems pretty obvious. It seems like it couldn't be a simpler test. But when they point to the short line, everyone raises their hand and they say, that is the longest line, except for you. You look around, you don't understand, you're, you're tempted to say something, you don't, and you end up raising your hand as well. I'm describing a, a classic set of experiments by Solomon Ash, who found that when he ran this experiment many times, that uh, in about a third of cases, the person who came in, who was the actual test subject, it turned out all the other undergraduates, actors. they were actors. Right. So that person who comes in to be tested, in about a third of cases, would raise their hand for the wrong line, even though they could see with their own eyes, right. uh, because they felt pressure to conform. Right. And uh, this sort of, in a very simple way, gave sort of the imprimatur of social science research that we are so deeply affected by uh, those around us that we're willing to ignore what our eyes see. So I think with that in mind, I'm curious your thoughts about sort of if you're living in a place where people are raising their hands for, for values that you think are completely wrong, 
but they're very tempting. You know, a line, it seems like, wow, that's so obvious. But, you know, people like nicer pocketbooks. They like nicer cars. They like having swimming pools. Like, that's very enticing. Yes. A you fun bat so mitzvah in Disneyland. Sounds Very terrific. enticing. Right. And when everyone around you is doing it, it seems it becomes more and more like, if I don't do that, then, you know, why shouldn't I do it? Everybody else's. It really becomes, you know, like what you kind of expect. That's right. And is it, you know, when, when do you, when can you educate? When can you show by example? When can you model, talking about some of our earlier podcasts, the behavior that you want to inculcate in your children, in your family? And when is it, is this surrounding environment, when does it overwhelm what's possible to do? That's right. If you have the option to leave, should you leave? You know, did Lot actually, did he, was he, he's Avraham's kin. Did he share in the mission of Lech Lecha, you know, go out there and change the world? Did he have some of that in him? And did it get corrupted by stone? It certainly seems like that, that must have happened. And I, and I see that move from the tent to the city, from living on the right. outskirts, perhaps, of Sodom to living in the city as a, a sign of his sort of assimilation to that culture. And also the fact, frankly, that not all of his children leave with him. So right. clearly he hasn't been able to kind of inculcate the Abrahamic values into his, into his whole family. I would suggest, I don't have the answer certainly, but I would assume that if Lot had attempted to, and really for, for all of us, including Ilana, um, if you talk about your values, right? If you- Make them explicit. Make them explicit, that's right. And if you show that you're different, like if, if Lode had worn, I don't know if what Lode was wearing, but uh, if Lode had somehow demonstrated me with his clothing, you know, that he was different. Like, I think that's often the role of a kippah for, for uh, right. kippah wearing Jews. That kind of reminds you, okay, I'm different than the society in which I, in which I live. But finally, I also think if Lode um, lacked a, a, an ally in Sodom, and having people around you who, who share your values, that's very important, even if it's just one other person. Right. But is it clear that Lode had someone like that? It's not, it doesn't seem so. It doesn't seem that his wife shared any sense of that mission. And doing it oh, on excellent, your own. Because his wife turned back towards yeah. the city, right? Right. So perhaps Lode didn't sin in going to Sodom. We think of his, his departure for Sodom perhaps as, a, as an error. And maybe tinged with some greed. Tinged with some greed, right, because he sees that Sodom looks so beautiful. Kigan Hashem, like the Garden of Eden, like Eretz Mitzrayim. Um, so maybe he's attracted for that reason. But at the same time, maybe, maybe he's part of the Abrahamic mission. He wants to go to Sodom to spread mo ethical monotheism, to spread knowledge of, of God. And uh, maybe that was okay, but maybe where he failed was in, in not taking steps to secure his values. That's right. Lot lost his way, perhaps, by leaving the, the other moral compass in his life, you know, Avraham. And in that same study I mentioned earlier, when they, when they ran it again uh, and gave an ally to the test subject, the test subject reported the correct answer 80% more often. In other words, an ally helped them to believe what their own eyes were seeing, to hold on to their sense of what was right. And I think that perhaps Lot needed an ally. It's true of Mormon missionaries and Chabad missionaries That's right. today. That's what I was thinking about, exactly. So maybe what we learned from this is that it is a daunting task for anybody to stay on mission when you're by yourself.
and that if you're going to be in a world that doesn't share your values, it's really important to take steps before you enter that world to secure your values, to find allies, and to remind yourself of what's important. And who you are. Shabbat Shalom.